Can we thank Aaron and Emily and the band for leading us in worship, man? I love it, I love it, I love it. Look, we got everybody in here. This worked out well. You know, we've been getting in the Christmas spirit. I don't know if you have been too. I love seeing Aaron up here leading worship with a smile on his face, singing Christmas carols. And in fact, he's been so excited, man. He shot me a text this week, just like getting ready and prepared in the mood for Christmas. I got a couple of the pictures he sent me. Just he was real excited for Christmas to get here. <laughs> got the order. The next one I didn't totally get. It was a little strange, but he was just really ready for Christmas, apparently. Anybody out here just excited for Christmas to finally be here? It always seems like it comes so soon. You know, if, if, uh, if I had one thing to share with you this Christmas, and I do, it would be for us to look at the Christmas story in a new way. And maybe you came here for the first time, you hadn't walked in the church doors in a really long time or ever. In fact, man, you thought walking through those doors that like your hair might light on fire because you were coming into a church. Uh, we started this church for you. We believe nobody's too far from God to experience life change through Jesus, that the church should be a hospital for sinners, not a museum for saints. And one thing I'd want to share with you is for us to discover together what Christmas really, the big picture, is all about, finding purpose in this life both now and eternally. You know, I was thinking about it, usually at Christmas time, it's when we share the, the story like from the Gospel of Luke or of Matthew that maybe most of you know. I, I'm going to assume if you're here that you at least are somewhat familiar with the birth of Jesus and that that's what we're celebrating at Christmas time as Christians. And usually we talk about like, you know, the, the Virgin Mary was, uh, had the Immaculate Conception. She was of child by the Holy Spirit. She had to travel on a donkey with Joseph to go to Jerusalem, or excuse me, to Bethlehem, the city of David, give birth there with the animals in the barn. And then God, how cool he is. The first people he tells is not like the religious elite of the day. He goes to the shepherds, the social outcasts that hung out with the smelly animals, and that's who he said, hey, you got to come and check out the birth of the Messiah. And then he goes to these educated pagans in the East, the wise men we associate with three people, but actually it was probably a lot more than three people coming from the East in the Persian area. Priests that studied the stars, and they come, and they give three gifts. That's why we sometimes think that there were three wise men, and they, they worshiped him. They were one of the first ones to do it as well. And then we might even talk about that Jesus' birth uh, would change the world forever. But what I want to actually talk about is an even bigger picture than just what happened during that one time period. That yes, it was about the birth of the Messiah, the anointed one the Jewish community had been waiting on. But this wasn't any normal human being. We believe as Christians, he'd be without sin. He'd live a perfect life. And actually, he had been waiting since the creation of the world and the rebellion of humankind for this moment in time to enter into God's creation, that particular moment. And we can lift prophecies up here that were 700 years old talking about the coming Messiah that would come, but it doesn't just go back 700 years to the time of Isaiah. It goes all the way back since the beginning of time. That's what I want to show you. If you have a Bible, you can turn in the one in your book rack to page 739, or you can power on your Bible, on your app, and I have no idea what page that is. So turn to 
John chapter one, John chapter one. If you're new to the gospel of John, this talks about Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. It's one of four accounts of Jesus' life. It's most likely written by the disciple John himself. And we get some of the intimate details we don't get in the other gospels. And he doesn't begin like Matthew and Luke. He doesn't really give a clear definition of the birth and the whole storyline. He gives a much bigger picture. And I was talking to Pastor Darren, who's going to be doing the two Sunday morning services. I'll do the three Sunday afternoon ones on Christmas Eve. And we were, we were talking about nobody ever teaches on John chapter 1. And talk about how Jesus was there when the world was created. That we believe he is the eternally begotten son. There was not a time he was not. And he's not just the Messiah. He's also fully God. That he became God incarnate and lived among his creation. That's what I want to look at. Are you guys ready to study God's word tonight, church? Come on now. Here we go. John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. We're just going to read a few of the verses. It says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Now, the reason you don't hear this taught on a lot, it's pretty poetic, and you're like, what in the world is this talking about? The Greek word for the word is logos, and it was thought that God spoke creation into being that his word was there at the beginning of time. In fact, if you look at the way John's writing those words, it begins with, in the beginning. There's another book in the Old Testament that also begins that way. It's the book of Genesis. And it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And Genesis goes on to describe that there was void, there was nothingness, and God created light. Some of you Christians, you might remember that part. John is playing off of that creation story in Genesis and saying that Jesus, the word, was there in the beginning. You see, in verse 3, he goes on and says, Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Look down to verse 14. We know this is Jesus for a couple of different reasons, but one of them is in verse 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. That Jesus came into the world, it said, to dwell with us, to dwell with us. We're going to talk about why he did that. But what I'd like to focus on for just a moment is that Jesus was actually there when the world was created. That he knew from day one that humanity would rebel against God. Human beings are the only thing in all of creation that have the freedom to choose whether or not to obey and listen and follow God. You ever notice that? All the rest of creation, they just naturally do it. You don't have to teach animals how to do that. In fact, I was thinking about this. How many of you like bees? Anybody? A, a couple of brave people. You like, you like the bees, they, you like the little insects that come during your picnics and they get on your sugary substances and they feed off of your food as you're eating and then they buzz in your ear and then you swat at that thing and then you realize you should not do that because on the end of that bee is a stinger and he is or she is willing to give their very life just to harm you. That stinger, it's going to hurt, and it's going to cause pain. And, and for some of you, you're going to swell up like the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, right? Because you are allergic to it. Uh, you may like bees. Uh, I don't particularly like bees. But I know that the bee just thinks it's trying to survive by making honey to live. But in reality, we know that they're actually bringing pollen from one plant to another. 
and helping life sustain across the world. That if there were no bees in the world, all of the vegetation might look a little bit different. I know that because I, Jerry Seinfeld in the bee movie <laughs> told that to my kids, right? And, and the truth is that everything else in all of creation knows what to do. If you look at our human life around us, we don't always listen and obey according to the created order that God asked us to live out, to live out our purpose in this life. When was the last time, look at our news channels, look at what's going on in television around the world, when was the last time you saw like a honeybee mass massacre that killed a bunch of people? Animals instinctively know, plants know how to live and to serve their purpose. It's only human beings that get confused about the purpose of life. So the big question I want to ask you tonight, wherever you're at spiritually, every week at our church we have people with atheist or agnostic backgrounds who come and join us. Uh, again, we started this church for people just like that, wherever you're at in the faith. But what is your purpose in life? What's your purpose in life? What I hope to share with you is that I believe every human being was created on purpose. Everyone who came in here, not a single person is a mistake. God created you for a purpose, a reason, and a plan. And at the, the forefront of that plan, as Aaron was talking about earlier, is to simply love God back, to worship God. You and I were created to worship God. Will you pray with me? God, as we look at John chapter 1 now, and we kind of work in reverse order, looking at verse 14 through 18, talking about how you desire to dwell with us, uh, we, we pray that you would speak to us. I thank you for every person that came out tonight that battled the, getting into this room, finding a spot to park, getting their kid checked in, maybe for the very first time, maybe a family member, a friend invited. Thank you, God. I pray you take away my words tonight, and you replace it with whatever you desire for someone to hear. May you truly transform our minds. For those of us as Christians, that we might really be changed by you tonight. For those of us that are di discovering what we believe about faith, God, that you might actually speak to us tonight as you have so many before. We love you, Lord Jesus, and we give you this time. And all God's family said, amen, amen. I love Christmas time, man, because that's when, you, when I was growing up, I don't know if this is how your family was growing up, mom would start making like the special cookies. Anybody have grandma cookies out there, a special recipe? My mom would start making those. She would get all these uh, delicious delicacies that we would have because you know people are coming over. There's nothing better than Christmas time when people actually socialize and hang out and throw all kinds of parties. Some of you have been having a lot of parties just recently. My mom, uh, she even had this one thing I just loved at Christmas time. Some of you ever grow up having uh, peanuts and red hots? Anybody ever heard of that before? You'd have peanuts and red hots, like two people. That's great. Uh, thank you. This, my, my family was fancy, man. My mom upgraded, and we would have uh, cashews and hot tamale candies together. <laughs> I couldn't even find a picture anywhere on Google that had that. And I would eat those things by the fistful, and I would just wait. I knew my mom would create all that, make all that stuff earlier, and I would want to eat it, and she would always say the same thing. Some of you moms and grandmas or dads out there, you do the same thing. Don't eat that. That's for company. You remember that word, company? We used to use to describe people coming over. 
I was thinking about that and how much things have changed in the last 20 or 30 years. And um, in fact, I've heard a, a friend of Lisa's named Sebastian share about this. And I've, I wanted to share this with you. I was, I was thinking about this. When Jesus comes and he says in John chapter 1, verse 14, that he wants to dwell with us, I'm not so sure in our society today we're really looking for a Jesus to dwell with. Like, Yes, thank goodness, he's coming over and I get to dwell with him. And the reason I think that is, it wasn't just growing up as a kid that we would look forward to company coming over for Christmas. Company might stop by at any time. Do you remember this? Things have changed a little bit, but 20 or 30 years ago, man, we'd all be sitting around, our, the whole family sitting around the big 18-inch screen TV, <laughs> just hanging out in the evening. All of a sudden, the doorbell would ring. You remember how this would work? They'd be sitting there watching it and like dad or somebody, the doorbell would ring and they would just jump up from their seats. Guys, company's here. Yeah, come on kids, let's go, company's here. Mom or whoever would run to the kitchen, right? She'd start getting certain things she set aside just in case company randomly stopped by. You remember this? She's getting that ready. You and the kids run to the door. Not just one person, the whole family comes to the door. Kids sliding in their socks, so excited. You throw open to the door. Hey, welcome, right? The person on the other side, I just in the neighborhood. Great, come on in. Company's here. Now today... We're sitting there watching our little 70-inch plasma TV, <laughs> complaining because it's not UHD. How am I going to get by? Then the doorbell rings. <laughs> hey, come on now. Some of you do this. You're like, get down. <laughs> Maybe they won't see us. Hit the lights. Hit the lights, right? You're, all of a sudden, you're looking around. You look to your spouse and stuff. Did you invite company? I didn't invite anybody. Did you invite... It's 8 o'clock at night. Who would stop by now? And then your brain goes crazy places. Like, baby, we're in trouble. Get the gun, honey. Get the, we, we don't own a gun. Get the nine iron. I don't care. Whatever it takes. She's doing an army crawl across the kitchen floor, making sure nobody sees you. you know? I, I was thinking about that, how we've changed. We don't look forward to some of those things. Company coming over. So when Jesus says, I want to come and dwell with you, we're not so excited. I'm not sure I need that kind of emotional connection right now. I don't know that I need a deep relationship. I would just, I love the idea of not dying and going someplace that isn't heaven. And so I look at John chapter one and realize maybe for some of us, we don't understand the problem that he, is solved. he desires to come into a relationship with you that would change both your here and now and eternity. That's at the heart of what I want to discuss with you. He desires to dwell with you. And here's the thing. This wasn't new at Christmas time. This was God's intention since the creation of the world, since the rebellion of humankind. In fact, if you read the book of Genesis, God literally, the Lord, it says, walked with Adam in the Garden of Eden. He was present with them. He had a relationship with them. When they were in the wilderness for 40 years waiting on the promised land, they had a big tent. They called it a tabernacle, which, by the way, means dwelling. It's the same uh, root that is used here in the New Testament to talk about that Jesus desires to dwell with you or tabernacle with you, that he be, took on this tent, this physical body, to come and be with us. But they literally had God's presence would reside with them in the Holy of Holies there in the tent. 
and the tabernacle. And then when they got the promised land and they had Jerusalem, they built him an actual building. Literally, the Hebrew word for temple is Beth El. It literally means house of God. They're like, he's moving into the neighborhood. We might as well get him a house. They build it for him, and his presence is always there. And like all of the rest of creation, when even the Israelites, his chosen people, rebelled against him, just like all of us do today, he didn't give up. He sent the prophets, right? And listen up, guys. Change your ways. I love you. I desire relationship with you. Don't leave me and forsake me. Listen and obey me. Even the animals know how to do that. And yet, when they didn't listen, he still didn't give up on them. He didn't give up on us. He pursued us and pursued us and pursued us. That's why at Christmas time we celebrate Emmanuel, God with us. And I'll talk about that in a moment, that he became one with his creation. And so in the short time we have together, I'm going to give you three questions that I hope you can answer this Christmas. Three questions this Christmas. And the first one is this, why in the world would Jesus want to dwell with us in the first place? You see, in verse 14 that I read, it says that he became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And it says that he was full of grace. If you look down to verse 16, it says, out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. He came, one of the reasons he came to dwell with us was to show us grace. Isn't that interesting? How many of you, if you actually created something and it didn't fulfill its purpose, would just go, oh, it's okay, I still love you. We'd probably get rid of it. And yet he pursues us and pursues us and pursues us. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Has made him known. That in other words, you and I can know God. Because we believe he was born as a baby, he lived 30 years and then began three years of active ministry, he demonstrated how to lead a perfect human life. And at the end of it, he's rewarded for it by being crucified on a cross as an atoning sacrifice so that you and I, no matter what mistakes we have made, we made a lot of them. Again, you thought your hair would light on fire coming in here. He doesn't look at you and see all of that sin. If you know Jesus Christ, he can actually redeem that and change us. He desires a relationship with us. He wants to dwell with us. Why? Because he wants us to not just spend 80 years on this planet trying to have some great weekends and some fun vacations, some nice you know, toys and to, to, to use on the weekends, not just to have a good life or even a great nine to five. Like He wants us to have joy in this life because we're living for eternal things. That he desires not to just have us be known by him for a short time, but for all eternity. It was a rescue plan to say, hey, up in heaven, God likes some company. Come on in. The doors are wide open, but we'll talk about in a moment what you have to do in order you have to make a decision about what Jesus has done. I found it interesting a number of years ago, I got to go to London, England, and there's this place at a park there in London called Speaker's Corner. It was really popular in like the 60s and 70s, but it's still there today. You can literally get up on a soapbox and espouse about whatever your heart's desire is. The time I was there over a decade ago, there was two young Muslim men. They were the best speakers in the whole park. I really enjoyed listening to them. And they shared about why they could never believe in Jesus. Because how could an all-powerful, almighty God that was there in the creation of the world, like John 1 says, become a little baby boy who dirtied his diapers? 
Probably cloth diapers, though, right? And when I reflected on that, I realized that is exactly why I love Jesus. That is exactly why I believe that to be true. That's exactly why I love Christmas. Because the God that we worship is not just some angry God that wants you to obey his rules or be dismissed from his presence. He is a God that, yes, has truth and, yes, has boundaries, but he pursued the Israelites. He pursued them and sent the prophets. He pursued us and sent his only son to become this little baby boy, nothing more vulnerable than a little baby and nothing more approachable than a baby. Right? It's very often that you see a cute little baby and you're just like, oh, that's repulsive. I just, you know, I don't want anything to do with that. He became this little intimate thing so that anybody, anybody in this room or watching online could know that they could draw near to a perfect God because of his atoning work, because he rose from the grave itself, overcoming death, that we don't just have God in our life now. He doesn't want to just dwell with us now. Yes, he wants to do that, but he wants us to dwell with him for eternity because he loves us and he created us and he redeemed us and he pursued us and he continues to the whole story of Christmas for me comes down to that word Emmanuel, that God actually loved us enough. He wanted to be with us. He did in the Old Testament. He does in the New Testament. And he does in the future for all of eternity. That's what Emmanuel really means. In fact, Jesus wants to dwell with us. Why? So we will live eternally with him. Why would he want to dwell with us? Because he wants us to live forever with him. The second question I want us to ask ourselves is, what do we do with this then? What will you decide? I find it interesting, again, human beings are the only ones that have the ability, the freedom, to actually make a choice of whether or not they want to obey and follow God. Even with his act of giving his life for us and coming into the world, he still gives us the choice of whether or not we want to receive that gift from him. The grace he came to bring, it's not required that you accept it. Isn't that interesting? He can force it, but he wants in his love to allow you to make the choice for yourself. In fact, that's what it says in John chapter 1, the verses that preceded verse 14, beginning in verse 10, he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God that some chose to receive his gift of grace, to receive that he wants to be with you, to receive that he wants company to spend eternity with him, and some chose not to receive that. Will you receive his gift and say, I will this Christmas give over my life both now and eternally to you? Out of love, he gave us the freedom to choose that. But what I find for many of us as human beings, we avoid making a decision on that period. We spend a lot of our life masking our life with different things that help us escape from thinking about eternity and what happens to us when all is said and done. We mask it with drugs or alcohol is some of the obvious ones. Some of us, we get busy dating as many people as we can, trying to suck as much pleasure out of life as we can. And no fingers pointed, it's just the reality of humanity. Some we instead look to achieve in the workplace to impress those people around us, and we live for those achievements. 
and it gets us through life and we forget to think about the most important thing in our life is what happens with us both now and eternally and how God could give us a purpose to live for now. My desire would be that each of us tonight, wherever you're at spiritually, would choose to make a decision about whether to receive his free gift of grace in our life or not. Now, you might be even familiar with that question and that decision, but what we often don't share as Christians is what happens on the backside of this. I was talking to Darren about this this week. And the third question I want you to ask yourself is, will you choose God's purpose for your life? Again, the bee and all the animals in creation, they just naturally do and fulfill the purpose that God created them for. Human beings, we're the only ones that don't. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, a famous verse in the Old Testament, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. That God created every person in this room and every person watching online right now. And you weren't a mistake, and some of you were given different talents and abilities than other people, but he created each of you with the purpose, a general purpose to worship him, to help those in need and share your faith, if you're a Christian, And then secondly, a more specific purpose that he wants to use your life, the short time you have on this planet, to make an impact that will last for eternity. 70, 80, 90, 100 years is just a blip on the map when it comes to the the millennia of eternity, right? His desire is to give you a purpose now to live for eternity. In John chapter 1, in those first five verses, when he talks about the creation of the world, he has all of this in his mind, that as he created the world and he was there in the beginning, he was also going to be there to redeem it. And one day he will return and set the world right. And in Revelation 21, it says there will be no more tears or crying or pain or suffering. But the only time, the only thing we have right now to do is to live out God's purposes until he returns. Again, I was thinking about the the honeybee and the way it just naturally sustains life without even thinking about it. It's not thinking, oh man, I'm going to do this great work with its life. It's just following what it was created to do. And sometimes when you just simply stop trying to think of how you're going to do this amazing thing with your life and just focus on how could I just love God and pursue his purposes with my life, it's incredible the impact you could possibly have without even knowing it. That would be my hope for us this Christmas. And in closing, man, I wanted to share this, that if you're out there and you would desire to actually choose, you know what, I'm going to stop running from this decision in my life. I'm going to accept it. I'm going to receive his grace. I'm going to live for his purpose. I want you to think of the significance that Christmas actually has, that the God of the universe that was there in the beginning and created everything in six days, took the seventh day just to show off because that's how omnipotent he truly is, that he became this little baby boy who is approachable out of love. He went through a tough 33 years and ultimately gives his life so that you and I could know God and not take it for granted, to dwell with him for eternity. The doors are wide open. Come on in, company. Glad you're here. Everybody, company's coming. I believe across the world this weekend, you're going to be seeing churches telling people about Jesus, and we're going to be opening up those doors. And I believe in heaven, God is going to be celebrating the people that are coming. Guys, company's coming. Company's coming. They're coming home to be a part of the family that you are never, ever, ever alone again, both now 
and eternally. It's the beauty of Christmas. But some of us, this time of year, we don't feel like that. And I think of the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, that says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He's not about some rules and regulations to ruin your life. He desires for you to come home and find rest in him so that you can face the difficulties of this life, this side of heaven. It's why when he says, I love you, even if you don't love me back, the reason he wants you to choose to love him back, because if you don't, scriptures teach us that nature itself will cry out and worship him. I love in uh, Luke chapter 19, the Pharisees say to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples because they're worshiping Jesus. And he says this in verse 40, I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. The stones will cry out that we get to be a part of God's family. We get to love him back and to worship him. And it's life-changing. And while it's not always easy, sometimes it's hard. It's forever changed my life in a way where I cannot deny the existence of God in my life, that I actually have a relationship with him, that he actually dwells with me, and I'm not perfect by any means, but I get to experience God. It's the most incredible thing in all the world. And it began at that first Christmas that the great gift of Christmas is the great I am saying I will to the world. Let me say that again. The great gift of Christmas is the great I am saying I will to the world. I will create you. And when you rebel, I will still love you and I will pursue you and pursue you and pursue you. I will send the prophets. And when you don't listen, I will send my only son, Emmanuel, God with us. I will, I will, I will. I'll even die on a cross so you know that I love you. I'll give my very life for you. I'll raise from the grave. I will pass it down for 2,000 years so that you're sitting here tonight and you can hear this and know that God loves you. He will, he will, he will. And the only question we have to ask ourselves out of that love, will I love him back? Will I love him back? Will you? Will I love him back? I thought of this young man who just found out last night, a 23-year-old guy named Josh Volley. And uh, Pastor Nick got to talk to his uh, his parents tonight, he, uh, I met him a couple of different times. He's been in our church for over a year. He, he grew up at Northview Church, a great local church, and he, uh, he was, knew a lot of people around here. And um, he passed away yesterday from a, a seizure. And we're hosting his funeral here on Saturday. I'd love for anybody to come out. But, you know, I was thinking about that. And the thing was, what I do know from the people that knew him well is that Josh knew Jesus. And he loved him. And when he gets to celebrate right now with Jesus in heaven, I don't just believe it's some type of mystical thing that could be or could not be or some mythology or some story. I actually believe that he is with Jesus and that Jesus will come and return and set the world right and heaven and earth will be forever combined. We'll live in paradise with God and other human beings in perfect relationship. And we don't have to suffer and worry about awesome people like Josh, and we can mourn his loss, but he's with God now. And so the stuff we're talking about really matters. When we say that the God shows us, he will, he will, he will choose us, that we get to ask ourselves, will I love him back? It really matters. And so I want to simply ask you, will you make a decision tonight to say, I will love you back, God. 
I will choose you. I will live for you. I will use this short time I have on this planet to fulfill the purpose I was created for. The animals got it figured out. I will too. I'm done with the old. I'm bringing in the new, and my life is now yours. Will you pray with me? Jesus, I thank you that at Christmas time we can celebrate that you are with us, that you want to hang out with us and dwell with us, and that right now well, some of us believe it and some of us are struggling, that your Holy Spirit is in the room with us right now. And you've been pursuing us and pursuing us. And we've put up walls and we've put up boundaries. We've tried to turn the lights off and tell everybody, get down, don't acknowledge it. And you're going to keep pursuing us and pursuing us and pursuing us because you love us. And right now, there are some people in the room that want to make the choice or watching online to love you back. That this Christmas, 2017, is going to be the first time they surrender their life to you. Or maybe they've begun to get distant from you and they want to say, I'm done with the way I've been living. I, I will worship you. I will live for you. If that's you right now, when you want to surrender your life to Jesus Christ, I want you to pray this silently as I pray out loud. i got to confess that I'm not perfect and I need you. Thank you for your grace that you came to bring at Christmas time. And right now, December 20th, 2017, I received your gift of grace and forgiveness and surrender my life to you fully, Jesus. I'm yours. With every eye bowed or every eye closed, I'm going to invite you. If you prayed that, I want you to raise your hand for a moment and I want to pray something specifically for you. And I've got a, a free gift I want to give you. I see you over here to my right, and I see you over to my left over here, the, the, the two of you. And raise it high so I can say, okay, I can't see the one in the back. I see you over there as well. I just want to acknowledge them. I'm not going to make you do anything. Raise it high so I can just acknowledge it. Thank you for those three people. Wow. Uh, I see you over here. Young lady, be sure and talk to your parents. I want to make sure you know what's going on there. And God, uh, you've seen those four people that at least raised their hand and acknowledged that they surrendered their life to you. They're saying, so will I worship you with my life. And now, oh God, I pray that it is more than a prayer, that you take next steps to connect them to the right Christians who can be begin to teach you, teach them Jesus' ways. God, we thank you for them. May you protect them, God. May they pour into scripture and begin to understand you for themselves, God. May you forever change their life. And some of them right now need to take the weight of some stuff away from them and be forgiven, God. And may beg you for forgiveness. Use them, Lord Jesus. We love them and welcome them to the family. We give you tonight, God, and we worship you this Christmas.